Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're watching from. And hello to the replay viewers, and hello, Gemma. Hey. What is going on today? Um, I'm trying to open that quietly, and that didn't work. Sorry. Um, nothing much. All good. All good. All recovering. Recovering well from the surgery, yes? Yeah. Unless I move, then you might hear me yelp, maybe. But other than that, we're good. Yeah. And I'll make a little program note as well that uh, my internet's been acting up. Well, there's nobody even here right now, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're going to take over. If I have to bounce out and reset graphics, all that jazz. Uh, but, it wouldn't be hopped without technical issues. <laughs> no, that's any that's any uh, platform, I guess, or anything technology related. Yeah. Uh, remember, radical acceptance. So, speaking of today, we have a very great topic. Um, been trying to figure out how to tackle this one because it's a pretty big deal um mm -hmm. in the mental health world so what i've decided to do hello tj uh welcome to the broadcast um we're here today we're going to talk about ptsd what i've decided to do with this particular topic since it, since it is so broad and there's a lot to cover um different branches uh we can or different avenues we can go down um we're, we're going to start today. We're going to make it a multi-episode broadcast, but it's not going to be sequential. Like we'll, we'll do something uh, different next week. Um, and then, you know, maybe a month from now, or, you know, maybe a couple weeks, we'll do a part two, part three. I, I don't know how many it's going to take, but uh, yeah. Hi, Retta. Welcome into the broadcast. Glad to have you here. Um, so today we're just doing part one. And it's going to be uh, kind of a introduction, you know, what is PTSD? Um, how, how do we uh, become diagnosed with it? Like, you know, kind of just understanding a little bit of the basics here. So uh, that being said, you know how I like to start. What do you know, Gemma? What do we, what do we know before we get into it? Um, I know, well, I have a diagnosis of PTSD. Um, I've had it for quite a min many years now. Um, and they gave me mine because of a number of things that I'd been through, quite traumatic things, what with the rape and everything else. And because the symptoms, they said, surpassed three months and it just, like, I don't know, it, it, it triggered certain, I guess, behaviours off in me, and which is what we're going to see anyway, so that, yeah, I, it was hard to deal with. But. So tr triggers, and uh, so you're, you're coming from a, a sexual abuse um, standpoint, and that certainly has, that's probably going to get its own episode, you know, down the road. Um, yeah because there's definitely a lot to cover there as well. Not just mm. the PTSD, but everything else that uh, envelops you after something like a sexual trauma happens. Yeah. Um, so 
I believe we were talking earlier, um, rape, PTSD, uh, and I didn't know this. Um, you said it has, it's classified as RPTSD or RTSD? RTSD or something, yeah. RTSD. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look more into that and we'll definitely uh, make an episode based on that um, alone because I feel like we can we can fill up many an hour with information on that kind of stuff. Hello, Eleanor. Welcome in to the broadcast. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and start with a kind of a little bit of a rundown, um, give a little narrative on PTSD as I understand it. Um, and I too was diagnosed with PTSD uh, from traumas based on the job and, uh, you know, in my personal life. Um, there is no, it, it doesn't have to be, and that's one of the things we'll talk about. Hi, Lucia, welcome on in. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, just, you know, solely for combat veterans, you know, that's what we think of when we hear PTSD. We think of the uh, the combat veteran coming back stateside uh, and, you know, dealing with his demons from what he saw in war. Um, but this absolutely hits um, so many other people uh, and it doesn't uh, discriminate. And it, uh, it, it actually can develop early on in, in children as well um, through abuse or um, et cetera. So what is PTSD? Um, we know it's post-traumatic stress disorder, but what does that mean? So it's defined as a psychiatric disorder occurring in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event. And that's the base uh, down and dirty clinical definition for PTSD. If we dig a little deeper, like what classifies a traumatic event? Um, that can be a number of things, obviously. It's any event, any event uh, involving experiencing or witnessing um, actual or threatened death, uh, serious injury, significant loss, which we've talked about on this show before, uh, or sexual violence uh, has the potential for um, uh, becoming PTSD down the road. Uh, so PTSD actually develops after the traumatic event. Uh, and it takes a little while. Uh, it doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, this is to, to um, come to a diagnosis of PTSD. You have to have five or six uh, symptoms, we'll get into those later, uh, for at least a month that it's interrupting your life and, and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, later on, we'll get into signs and symptoms. I believe you have uh, a list for us and stuff. I do, yeah. Okay. Um, so we're talking about like serious car accidents that may or may not involve death. It doesn't have to involve death. Um, mm -hmm. It could be a near-death experience. Um, you could have been in a car accident that involved a death, but obviously it wasn't you. Um, certainly there's military combat. We're not going to 
take it away from them. I didn't mean to sound like that. Um, they're, mm -hmm. they're still very much in, in this realm. Um, physical sexual assault, we've talked about briefly, and then uh, anything like maybe a natural disaster, uh, something that maybe uproots you from your house and home uh, or makes you feel less safe in your house and home. Um, so I have PTSD-C from both sexual trauma. I was at the Aurora movie theater when I got shot up. That event is what broke me. I had a complete mental breakdown about five months after the shooting. Wow. That is exactly what we're mm. describing right here. So thank you for that comment. Um, and please, uh, if you want to comment further, feel free. Uh, let us know what you did or uh, where you went for help or anything like that. Um, so back to what I was saying, that the trauma, is the, the traumatic event that you experience, uh, you're not gonna realize really that it's um, it's lingering with you all the time. Uh, it's not as easy as noticing, you know, I mean, certainly some uh, traumatic events based on the nature and uh, how extreme they are will always linger no matter what. But uh, some of the littler things like maybe a bad call I ran uh, when we're on the scene of a, of a bad car accident or something, uh, we have a lot of adrenaline going. Um, we know what our job is. We know what needs to be done and we know how to do our job. And you don't even really think about what you're seeing. So what happens is, is three months, six months, nine months down the road, when we're still thinking about that call and can remember every detail of that call and, uh, you know, certain smells, um, we can recount, you know, if it was inside of a house, say we can, I can tell you exactly what the wallpaper looked like and, you know, just describe it to a T. Whereas with other memories, we don't, we can't always do that. Like with the fond memories, um, we know what we did. We know when we did it but we can't really bring it back into memory all the way, like a traumatic event does. Um, and I, I've discussed it earlier on in, in some of the earlier broadcasts, um, and that's because the traumatic brain always keeps things in the now. It's always floating around up in your brain. It doesn't have anywhere to go. So it seems like it just happened yesterday, even though it was 10 years ago. Mm. Um, does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So trauma can resolve itself. Um, not everything is going to, you know, become uh, or, or head towards the PTSD thing. And certainly if you're proactive um, in the mental health field, like I like to think I am now, I like to, now that I know this information, I don't just let anything bottle up like that. I try not to get as, as in bad shape as I was. Um, and I know how important it is to, you know, confront things if we've run a bad call or something happens in my personal life that could be considered a tra traumatic event. Uh, I like to stay ahead of it and start talking it out with a counselor um, 
group support uh, anything, even at an AA meeting, that that counts as well. Like, and and it kind of keeps you healthy. It kind of keeps those uh, memories from heading down that road of PTSD. Mm. Um, anything to add so far, Gemma? Um, no, you're covering it pretty well. Like, it's I can relate with a lot of what you've said, though. Um, certainly, like with the the memories and remembering some of the stuff, like. I can remember really fine details of the, of the events of what happened to me, like really well. But then I have an issue remembering something that happened like 10 minutes ago. Like yeah. just my brain. And they, they did say to me that a lot of that was down to the fact that I was trying to um, like kind of self-preservation, trying to stop those memories from continuing to hurt me but it's pushed out the wrong ones basically um yeah. yeah yeah i understand and uh i can relate um as well um so we'll talk further into this uh we'll keep rolling with traumatic events because uh, that's mm -hmm. a good basis um trauma you know and it this, I found this quote from uh, a website called wellviewcounseling.com, um, and I'll probably be posting it on my channel page uh, and social medias um, after the broadcast, because this was a, a very decent website for, of information uh, when I was um, coming up with some talking points for tonight. I liked this quote, uh, trauma, an event that exceeded your ability to handle or cope with the situation. Mm -hmm. So any event, uh, it can be anything. That's the that's the key there. It doesn't have to be, you know, fiery death or anything like that. Any event that can exceed your ability to handle or cope with the situation. And that's true because, like, just because somebody has been given a diagnosis of PTSD for something that happened to them, that doesn't necessarily mean that the next person is. Like, everybody is different, again, when we're talking about this. So just because one person has it from a specific event or trauma doesn't mean that the next will. Right. Um. So there's also complex traumas, which are traumas that occur repeatedly. Uh, I forgot to mention this a little earlier. And that might actually, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Who was it that commented earlier? Was it Eleanor? Yes, Eleanor said PTSD C. Is that C for complex? Um, complex traumas are traumas that occur repeatedly. So we're talking about something like domestic violence, you know, um, a you know, a loved one or I mean a spouse that's um, hit, beating you or verbally assaulting you every day. Um, these these repeated occurrences uh, yeah. constitute as complex traumas. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll find out actually while we're watching. We have a video. Uh, and I'm going to look more into that PTSD as well. So for now, 
I would like to just kind of, we're, we're going to pop off screen briefly and we'll play a video for you that Gemma has found. And it's actually a very good, um, maybe a, a better description. And we can talk about it more after uh, we watch it. But uh, we'll be right back on after the video. Have you or someone you love ever been in a tornado or car accident? Experienced sexual or physical abuse? Served in a war zone? Most people have been through some kind of life-threatening or traumatic event, and it's common to have stress-related reactions after a trauma. But when symptoms last more than three months and they're not getting better, it's time to get help. Meet Sam. He recently returned from serving in Iraq. For many people, being in a crowded place like a baseball stadium or a busy grocery store feels comfortable, but not for Sam. What should be a nice night out, taking his wife Tara to a restaurant, isn't fun for him anymore. He can only handle it if he sits with his back to the wall where he has a good view of the exits, and even then, he's too on edge to really enjoy it. At home, things aren't the way they used to be either. His sleep is restless at best, and some nights Tara isn't sure if Sam comes to bed at all. Sam seems to have a short fuse these days, and sometimes he snaps at Tara over tiny misunderstandings. What he and Tara never talk about is the trauma he experienced when he was deployed. He's never mentioned the guilt, the weight he carries around wishing he could have done more to prevent what happened. Instead, he's turned inward, pulling away from family and friends. Tara tried to give him some space, but after months passing without change, she really started to worry. She was the one to finally say what they were both thinking, it's time to get help. That's when Sam finally decided to take action. He reached out to a doctor who told him about PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder. Sam's symptoms were getting in the way of enjoying his life, re-experiencing, hyperarousal, feeling worse about yourself or the world, and avoidance are the four types of symptoms people with PTSD have. Sam's doctor explained each. The first is reliving the event, or re-experiencing. This is often an unwanted memory or even a flashback where you feel like you're right back in the situation again. Seeing, hearing, or even smelling something that reminds you of the trauma can trigger these. Nightmares where you relive parts of the event in your sleep are common too. The second is avoidance. Staying away from situations that remind you of the trauma. That's why Sam tries to avoid thinking about painful memories altogether. He pours himself into his work or uses alcohol to keep his mind from going back to the trauma. The third is feeling worse about yourself or the world since the trauma. You might feel overwhelming guilt like Sam or not trust anyone. You just might not be able to feel happy, even when you are around people you love. The fourth type of symptom is sudden rushes of anger, irritability, feeling jittery, always on alert, always on the lookout for danger. This is called hyperarousal, and loud noises or a driver cutting in front of you can be all it takes to set you off. If you recognize any of these symptoms of PTSD in yourself or someone you love, don't wait. See your doctor to find out if it could be PTSD. Just like Sam and Tara found, there is hope. You don't have to live with the symptoms of PTSD forever. Effective treatments are available.
All right. That was a very informational video. And thank you for finding that. Thank you for tagging uh, the folks that were responsible for making it as well. Um, so with that information and kind of breaking, breaking down this PTSD and understanding how we come about with the diagnosis, uh, let's, uh, let's get into the, uh, the signs and symptoms of it. If you want to, um, take a look at your list and start, um, yeah. reading, reading some, we'll, we'll stop and break some of them down if, uh, yeah. Okay, so we've mentioned the first one quite a bit with the intrusive thoughts. And it says that um, it's the best known symptom of PTSD. And um, constantly being disturbed by the unwanted, uh, unwelcome, distressing memories of what happened to them. Um, with giving the examples of like car accident or um, traumatic events, things like that. Um, and that can go on to being the second one, which is nightmares. It can get in the way of your sleep. Uh, nightmares. I certainly suffered from a lot of nightmares. Absolutely. Um, avoiding reminders of the event. Um, so it can be like avoiding going to a certain place or avoiding certain things. Uh, a lot of my PTSD stem from multiple different things, to be honest, like with the um, with the with the rape and the sexual abuse, the the years of sexual assaults and then being in a relationship that was had a lot of domestic violence. Um, those yeah. things. But certainly with for me, with avoiding reminders of the event. I, I completely stopped going to a certain place and it it was totally um it totally ruined my life where I couldn't go to a certain place. I I completely avoided such a huge part of where I live because I couldn't bear to go there. Um, yeah. Let's talk uh, a little bit more about avoidance because uh and going over and going over the stuff, um and the signs and symptoms. I mean, intrusive thoughts, uh, certainly that's, you know, one of the, probably the starting points of noticing something's wrong, um, mm. that you're constantly being bu bugged by the, or the, uh, you're constantly going back to these thoughts that just insert themselves into your life um, out of nowhere sometimes. Uh, but the avoidance, I feel like almost everybody can relate with, um, what do we do when when something is not going our our way or uh we we're not happy with certain folks uh etc it doesn't even have to be about ptsd we naturally try and avoid the situation uh in the future so we don't have to um you know deal with it we don't have to deal with confrontation we don't have to deal with embarrassment maybe um uh, and, and all that comes with it. Um, avoidance is certainly, I mean, we see it a lot in almost every um, field of the mental health realm here, but it, mm. it certainly is uh, a big one for PTSD um, because oh, we yeah. just, yeah, we don't want to deal with what's going on. And what do we do when, what do we do when we avoid 
we wind up isolating, mm -hmm. which is not good. We're, yeah, we detach from society. We detach from the world, our, our family. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then if you're so inclined or wander down this road like I did, um, then you start abusing a substance like alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, just to, to substance abuse is nothing more than avoidance. You know, uh, I'm basically, I'm basically getting drunk so I can avoid having to deal mm. with any of this, you know, yeah. uh, TJ mentioned EMDR. Uh, I don't know, Gemma, if you know what EMDR is. Um, I'm going to look up the thing just to make sure it's, I need it's, to check. It's not it's, something of a different name here. It's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. I stumbled oh, no. over the, I stumbled over the D, but, uh, I was offered, um, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't offered EMDR down at my rehab center, but it was available, um, to, to you if you, uh, met the criteria. So my PTSD issues it wasn't warranted in my case, but I heard nothing but great things about EMDR. It, it allows you, uh, what they did down there is they had a light bar that would, you know, you would watch the light go back and forth. Mm. And, and you did this the entire time you were talking with one-on-one -on -one with the um, counselor. And what, what, however it works, you know, how the, the brain is a mysterious uh, being, but it, it allows you to, I, I don't want to call it hypnotizing, but it you go mm. deeper into your own subconscious and next thing you know, you're bringing out uh, more than you were even aware of, uh, per se, in this counseling session. I've mm. seen people uh, come out of EMDR like dizzy, uh, need to sit down, um, flush, uh, you know, look... Mm. <laughs> look like they've just been through the ringer. Um, but EMDR is a great tool and we might, you know what, we might do an episode on that down the road. Uh, yeah, that was never something I was offered, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, avoidance, huge, mm. huge. I can't oh, believe, yeah. I can't believe when I was reading uh, that you only need one marker of avoidance because I feel like you could, most people could pretty much hit all mm. the, uh, the three or four of them that I read, um, but we'll get into that down a little later. You can okay. continue on if you'd like. Yeah, with the avoidance thing, um, I did also stop going out and I became a complete recluse for a long, long time. And just a quick thing, just to touch on a couple of things that people have said really quickly with this. I was mm -hmm. told in a way to get out of the house again to picture like think about myself fulfilling one of those tasks so say if tj you said you are agoraphobic now um if you can think of yourself going out of the house and going just to somewhere really close to you and picture in your mind what that would be like as though you're watching it on a movie and picture it think about all the things what you're going to wear what happens you're going to go out the house you're going to open the door unlock the door lock the door 
um, go what you're going to go past and you have to think about absolutely everything that you're going to do everything that you're going to pass and think right okay and how am I feeling at this moment how am I feeling as me sat in this house thinking about it and as me looking at this person doing this and that actually got me to go out again I think I was stuck it was before Thomas was born and I spent, I think it was about eight months without going out a single time. I did not leave the house at all. And um, some of that was down to, um, like, the fact that I was controlled as well at first. And that stopped me going out. But then it did become a complete, like, I was terrified to leave the house. Anyway, back on to the... Um, symptoms if anybody wants to message me about that I can help with, like go through that or I have I actually have a script of what I had to go through with that as well what I was sent from my counsellor um yeah, anyway yeah and uh if if there are any questions uh please don't hesitate to ask we could stop like at any yeah. time and, and take some questions as well uh go ahead yeah, Gemma. Yeah. right um did we do memory loss? Yeah, memory loss. That's a big one. That it's funny that I forgot that I'd not done memory <laughs> loss. Oh gosh, the irony. The uh, irony. Yeah, memory loss. Like that's huge for me. My memory is terrible, and um, it does say about um, traumatic events impacting the brain's functioning. So it's not always the traumatic event that you forget. Usually, it isn't the traumatic event that you forget. It's other things. It can be little things or it can be important things. Like I've forgotten that I've had appointments. I'm sure Haps can uh, vouch for that. <laughs> um, twice. Twice. Um, twice. Oh, dear. And then I've forgotten, um, like, I even down to things like, did I forget to take my tablets? Have I forgotten to eat? I couldn't remember. Like, I genuinely couldn't remember if I'd eaten and drank things. It got that bad. Um, then the next one, negative thoughts about yourself and the world. Um, I, yeah, I can relate with that as well because I also have body dysmorphia that came around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, then there's self-isolation and feeling distant. So that's like to cut yourself off from other people, not necessarily just going out and about, but cutting yourself off from talking to other people. So like on on the phone, social media, whatever, just completely cutting yourself off from others. More avoidance. Yeah. Um, anger and irritability. Um, it says that the PTSD creates a state of hyperarousal. This means that the brain is kicked into a stage of fight or flight. At the slightest urging, hyperarousal results in strong emotions like anger, as well as a general irritability on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, I was told that that was um, some of that came about because the things that happened to you, like you mentioned, were beyond your control. So sometimes, with the slightest thing, um, it's a way of kind of like. For me, anyway, it was like I could either react by completely losing losing myself and breaking down or absolutely blowing my top sometimes and losing my shit, so to speak, and just getting really cross. 
and I, I did often, I would get really quite angry and irritable because it was a sense of, I don't know, kind of a way of a sense of control as like, if I don't do this, I will absolutely lose it and break down and cry. And I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to feel like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's talk further a little bit on the uh, irritability. Mm -hmm. uh, that was 100% me. Um, now, I, the drinking obviously just fueled that. Uh, but there was a certain, uh, I guess in my depress, my depression and everything, obviously I, at the time, I didn't know what exactly was going on. I just thought that this was normal life, you know, and, uh, you know, I was dealing with it in my own way, uh, which wasn't healthy. However, it had made me so much more irritable. My wife has told me today, uh, you know, now that I've worked a program um, and I've, I've gone to rehab where I worked on some anger management as well, but just taking the, uh, the substance, the alcohol out of my life alone has made me so much more calmer. Um, the alcohol literally fueled my irritability and everything that happened around the house. Like I told you earlier that I had to fix our, our upstairs toilet because the tank was leaking. That would have sent me through the roof. The day would be ruined. Uh, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't even get around to doing it out of spite till three or four days later. And, you know, uh, you know, it just, it would turn into a whole big mess that it didn't need to. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, you know, my wife has said, you know, you are so much calmer. You're calmer with the, the kids. You're calmer with me. Um, you're calmer with your family. I mean, you just totally see a difference. And mm -hmm. so that irritability, that, that irritability really does drag you down. It's, it's more and more of increasing that negativity in your life, negativity mm. <laughs> in your life, um, which when, when you increase that negativity, you increase the avoidance and the isolation mm -hmm. and the detaching. They all uh, seem to fall into a, like a, a circle with each other. So you do more of one and then the rest just follow. Absolutely. Um, like I never forget uh, a few months ago now, and I'd been bringing the washing in and take, took the rubbish out. And I, I dropped, I think it was the clothes pegs. I dropped just a couple of clothes pegs on the floor. And that was it. I completely just, the whole washing went on the floor. Whoops, don't do that. The pegs, everything, me went on the floor. It was just like, oh, you'd think a complete disaster had happened. <laughs> and in the end, from just dropping those two pegs, I ended up having to rewash the whole thing because it all went on the floor and it was like I can't even remember why I did it or what I think it was just a build-up of everything that just like poof. because I, at yeah. one point I was trying to hold it in rather than work on it I was trying to hold it in and bottle it in rather than working on it and it just erupted um, yes I uh I understand exactly. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was exactly the same with me. Um, yeah. And uh, just real quick, going back to Eleanor here, um, saying that, I mean, she's kind of confirming what I was talking about. You know, she was using opioids 
uh, as a numbing agent, a distraction, um, and not knowing at the end here, she says, not knowing I was only making it a thousand times worse over time. And that, uh, that's the key there that understanding that un get coming to terms with that sentence that she just said is, is where you're going to start making a lot of progress as far as mm -hmm. substance abuse uh, goes. Not everybody falls in the realm of su substance abuse, but uh, mm -hmm. certainly those that have, if you can understand that you're making things just a thousand times worse. I mean, alcohol is called a depressant for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not, it, it may feel good in the moment. Like you, you're, you're, you're cheering yourself up maybe, but mm -hmm. the long-term effects of it are only just negative. Oh, so yeah, I just, yeah. I wanted to touch on that real quick. Thank you, Eleanor. Yeah, that's fine. Like even with myself, I'm prescribed opiates for pain relief, but I was absolutely at one point abusing that um, with the fact that because of how I felt, I felt like I was in more pain as well. So it did have a knock on effect with my pain. So I was taking more to space me out basically. And I was taking, I would take fentanyl and morphine on top. And I was taking more and more and more of that to the point where now I've got such a strong threshold where the amount that I need to get past the pain threshold is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Um, and I know I'm addicted, I'm, but I'm on it for pain relief. But that's... Oh. That's the problem with uh, prescription opiates. Uh, mm. it, it does just because it's prescribed doesn't take away the fact that it's still yeah. heroin oh. or fentanyl, you know, etc. Mm. The oh, the 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 side effects of it is just horrific. But anyway, we'll get back onto the list. <laughs> um, right. So reduced interest in favorite activities. Um. Negative life events make it difficult to enjoy once loved activities. The mood changes and sleeplessness and avoidance of, of avoidance associated with PTSD means that a person might feel unmotivated and uninterested in their work and hobbies. So that was certainly definitely something that I did. I gave everything up at one point. Just lost interest in everything. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I just wanted to sleep. All I wanted to do was sleep. And and while we're reading over some of these, um, the categories and the uh, signs and symptoms, um, we do have. Or Gemma found a, an online test that mm. it, anybody is welcome to take. We're gonna put both post it on our pages and our socials. Uh, the mm -hmm. link for the test. It's a pretty decent one. I looked at it. She sent it over to me. Um, yep. and, uh, you can, it's a, it's a self-diagnostic tool per se. It's not a legitimate, I just went to a psychiatrist and was diagnosed with PTSD because idea. I, mm -hmm. exactly. It, it kind of points you in the direction of, um, you know, maybe, maybe we should go visit a psychiatrist or, yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. But, yeah. uh. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Diagnosis, but yeah, it gives you an idea so that you can go and obtain that diagnosis. So the um, the constant irritability, always on edge, mm. jumpy, uh, uh, 
easily startled, uh, and the sleep disturbances, uh, you know, waking up in the middle of the night with the night terrors, as somebody mentioned earlier. Um, it's not just, it's not just nightmares, it's night terrors, like, yeah, legitimate wake up in a cold sweat, you know, this is real life, or it felt like real life, you know, how a dream can sometimes feel so real. Um, the, that, these are kids as well, because I remember Thomas going through night terrors after I'd split up with my ex, his father. Um, for months and months, he went through some serious night terrors and it was horrible to watch he doesn't remember them because with mostly night terrors apparently you don't remember them but right. they were very violent very very horrible to watch and can... at the time he was what he was two three so that, yeah. that was horrific you can uh I've, I've seen um videos documented uh sleep studies with night terrors and, and the people just wake up in a full-on blood-curdling scream, you know. Yeah. I've had a sleep study, actually. That was so, uh, interesting. I did one once, but that was for uh, apnea. But uh, was that all on your list? Did you have any further um, signs? Um, symptoms? Like hypervigilance, but that was in the same thing about being like jumpy, extreme state of awareness. Yes. Difficult concentrating. So uh, hypervigilance, um, you, we saw this word a lot when I was down at the center and we would do our daily check-ins. Um, that was always on there. Do you feel hypervigilant? And I finally, uh, you know, after a couple of days, I'm like, what the hell does this mean? Hypervigilant. And they explained it to me, you know, you're just overly aware of your surroundings. Uh, you know, you're on edge, basically. You're, you're completely, you're not like, in tune with everything, but you notice and hear and smell everything that's going on around you to a, a higher degree, um, almost as if you're worried something's going to happen or, you know, so that uh, showing up on these daily check-ins all the time, I started thinking to myself, well, I wonder, you know, I, I can sometimes come across, I guess, as a little hypervigilant, but uh, that's just the, 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 the firefighter job in me. Like we go, my, I take my family to a restaurant to ha have a nice dinner or whatever. Um, the first thing I'm doing is looking for all the exits. Uh, what if something, you know, bad were to happen in here? What if there's a fire? What if there's gunfire? Who knows? Um, where, where am I going? What's my plan of attack? And that's, that's always almost the first thing I'm looking at at any new place. Uh, mm. But <laughs> Bo, um, Bo, you had a, you had a nice compliment up there earlier. Um, oh, there's another one here that's on this list that we didn't mention: casting blame, trying to blame other people, oh, sure. or blaming themselves. Yeah, nothing is ever anybody's fault. Yeah, this is quite a list actually, because like. Some of them I wouldn't have thought of, but yeah, like risky behaviors. I, I did a lot of that. I was terrible yeah. for that. Yeah. Like I started with the whole, it started with the whole, with the knife thing where I would mm -hmm. just tempt fate um, to taking things I knew I shouldn't. Um, 
then putting music on i'd go for a walk put music on and i would just walk into the road and not even look and think if it's meant to be it's meant to be and yeah literally just go for it yeah um that was another one with along with hypervigilance that would always come up is um the the risky behaviors you know mm. uh, what they're looking for there obviously it's a ptsd sign and symptom uh, but it's also a part of um <laughs> there's the cat <laughs> it's also a part of uh something called passive death wish um mm. risk the risky behaviors um kind of show the depression side of things as well how how depressed you are passive mm. death wish you're you're not going to actively kill yourself but you're not going to stop any you're not going to stop fate from happening and in fact maybe yeah. you'll maybe you'll help fate along a little bit by going skydiving or something like that so yeah um definitely yeah. definitely in the ptsd world mm -hmm. uh, is the risky behaviors um, because when I when I was discovered to be self-harming and cutting myself and taking um, overdoses and stuff, I thought, okay, well, you know, and that's when that came on more because I'm like, well, okay, if people are going to say that, then maybe, maybe if like it's meant to be, and I, I did, I tried to help it on now because I have a physical disability. I couldn't do any of the extreme like sports or anything like that but certainly like walking out into a busy road without even looking or um going to places that i knew were dangerous and then i even started going into abandoned buildings and things um doing all, all sorts of stuff that i knew was potentially dangerous for me just thinking well you know who am i to say what happens to me if something happens you know yep passive death wish I didn't know that was a thing. So this is more of that, you know, mm, just shining this is a really through. Good website as well. It's the it was on the thing. It's um, Cumberland Heights, and then there's Mind, which is a, um, a UK thing. But it's, it's if, really good. If you're able to, if you're able to, can you just share it in the comments? Obviously, we can post it on our yeah, our pages yeah. as well. But if you have it readily available to, yeah. Um, I'm just the cat. This this is what you call um, defiance. The he cat just had put the door open and let himself in. <laughs> so Eleanor hit on another uh, a good talking point from a previous broadcast. Um, I was reading her comment, and at the end there, um, you jump into overdrive because it's uh, it thinks it's what already happened is going to happen again. And what is that? That's a cognitive distortion. Um, hmm. All we know. Hey, Michael, welcome on into the broadcast. All we know uh, is what we've lived through, right? So hmm. we try, we start this fortune telling, which is a cognitive distortion. Um, fortune telling being obviously predicting the future um, based hmm. on what we have lived through um and we we got to get out of that mind frame because mm -hmm. you can't tell the future uh, just because it happened once doesn't mean it's going to happen again but our bodies are almost or our brains are almost hardwired to live off of experience you know um, yeah 
Uh, we can jump back to intrusive thoughts for a moment. Um, uh, the flashbacks, those are the, the, in particular, these are the ones that the combat veterans, um, I mean, when you paint a picture of PTSD, I feel like that combat veteran that just got home from war is the first thing that comes to mind. And these flashbacks that are so real um, to them and to anyone. I never personally uh, experienced any flashbacks. Mine are more along the lines of just a vivid memory of what, like maybe a bad call I ran. Um, I can I can literally tell you all of the five senses of what was going on that day 10 years ago. Um, but I never had any negative flashbacks like that. But these folks, um, they'll go to the mall and they'll be walking in the store shopping with their wife uh, and, you know, maybe a, a noise or something triggers this event, the splashback starts happening. All of a sudden they're, they're diving behind the, the, the clothing rack, like they're taking gunfire uh, and, and they're in the trenches again, the, the foxhole. Um, mm -hmm. Bo might, Bo might know a little something about that. Uh, actually, he said he was, he was out there causing trouble, not uh, taking any of it. Uh, the the nightmares. <laughs> well, he was out there on the front. He can explain it to you better. I don't, I don't, I don't know the life of a frogman. Um, nightmares we'll go back to as well. So we talked mm. about the night terrors, nightmares, night sweats, uh, all these, uh, these are all, I'm sorry, these are all intrusive thoughts that qualify you for a PTSD diagnosis. Now it should mm. be important. I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Did, did you have anywhere? I never wrote it down, but you have to, all these categories, the intrusive thoughts, the avoidance uh, of triggers, uh, avoidance in, in general, um, mm. alterations in your cognition and mood. So the negative thoughts, the amnesia, uh, or you know, not remembering PTSD brain as it's uh, more commonly known, or the alterations in arousal and reactivity, that's your anger. So this is the four categories you have to have, I believe it's one of the uh, intrusion uh, symptoms. You need to have one of the avoidance symptoms. You need to have two of the alterations in cognition and mood, and you need to have two of the alterations in arousal and reactivity. So all those, so that's six total, mm. uh, one from each, at least one from each category, two from the last two. And you need to have those for a solid month, at least, of daily interruption to your day to be diagnosed with PTSD. Mm -hmm. There's Bo. We were, we were the most dangerous entities operating outside the wire. See, that's what I'm saying. He, he, was, uh, he was out there slinging the gunfire, not taking it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with the um, back, like to the um, the nightmares and stuff. When I had to have, um, I've had sleep there, uh, sleep studies for two reasons: sleep apnea being one, and then um, because 
for a long time. I was going to sleep, having no recollection of it, but waking up with um, like bloody nose and bust lips, black eyes, clumps of hair in my hand. Mm. And I, I had no recollection of why. And I was going to sleep and reliving some of what was happening to me with the abuse, but doing it myself, physically doing it and beating myself up in my sleep and then waking up having no recollection of done it but just the fact that I was all beaten and bloody so I yeah. ended up having to have a sleep study for that and be wired up and I think one of those entailed having to go and sleep in a hospital literally so that everybody could see you yeah and that that was not very pleasant but it certainly alerted me to what was going on and every so often, even now, I have something on my phone that records what's going on just in case I do happen to have that happen to me because a couple of times I've had just something that has triggered a memory or something and I'm still not, like, fully, like, over... I don't, I don't think you ever just get over it and it's never there. I think it's always in the back burner. Um, yeah but certainly you can get to the point where you can live a normal life and it doesn't interrupt you and things, but sometimes something can come back and trigger just a memory. It's just how well you can deal with that. And I'm not at the stage yet where I, depending on what it is, where I've completely gotten over certain things and it can trigger enough to me to think, and just to, not to, not to act on it or anything, but just to, it, affect my train of thoughts and stuff mm -hmm. some it, it interrupts your day mm. um, and that's what it's talking about uh you have to have this daily interruption for a solid month with six yeah. of these six of these signs and symptoms off of a pretty long list to be honest it's uh mm. that's how you qualify for a ptsd diagnosis but like i said mm. we'll put that we'll put that test that you found um We'll, we'll load that up onto our, our channel pages. I'll send it out on Twitter. I don't have the Facebook, but Gemma does. So keep an eye out over there Yeah. as well. And feel free, uh, please, you know, take five, 10 minutes and, and fill it, fill this out. And mm. I mean, obviously if you already have a PTSD diagnosis, but you know, it could still be interesting. I just took a depression inventory the uh, two or three days ago. The same one I took down at the center that came back with results of having extreme depression. Uh, mm. I took this, the very same test uh, or inventory of myself and I wound up with a score that only, I mean, it was worlds better. I, I, I was classified with mild mood disturbance, that's it. So I jumped up like four categories on the list but it, yeah, it's never a bad thing to go back and uh, retake these tests or whatever and just check in with yourself and see how you're getting along. Mm. Tim isn't allowed on Facebook. No, I 100% took myself off of Facebook because of triggers and Facebook went the way of the wind with me because back when I initially got divorced and I was in my most depressed state, 
I mean, this was the most depressed I was uh, and didn't know how to deal with. So, you know, again, the drinking intensified, the negative intensified, the avoidance intens intensified, the isolation intensified. And to be in that state and then get on Facebook and see literally your entire feed just filled with everybody's wonderful lives and oh, ex oh. exactly where you should be right now but uh have social it, media is horrible for that it, it was literally uh doom scrolling for me mm. and i was going into a much darker place so i just said i need to get off of this it is not healthy for me and you know maybe today i'm in a better place that i could be on facebook but yeah at the same time i don't know it, I just don't like the thought of it still. Um, maybe it's a trigger thing. I don't know. But that's my story on Facebook, in case anybody was wondering. Um, it is, though. Social media can be really, really damning to your health. I found, I found it really didn't help me. And then certainly with lockdown as well, watching Facebook, and then with everything else as well, with the body dysmorphia and seeing people posting these wonderful photos and stuff about how they were married, they had the perfect life. I mean, you're not going to post something on Facebook or wherever else if you've got all sorts. Like, my house is completely upside down. I'm <laughs> not going to post a picture of that right now. And I'm not going to post a picture of how I look yeah. right now because... I look like I literally had to um, make myself look like I hadn't been dragged to a hedge backwards acceptable for this but <laughs> you, it, people only put on what they want you to see and I had to really really try and remember that but there are times where I will take myself off social media even recently because I'm like no I know I can't deal with that right now so let it go yeah if you're in a state of heavy depression um, mm -hmm. or, you know, you, you haven't processed, uh, traumas properly, uh, which I had no idea about, you know, back, back when this was happening. Um, if you're in that state, then it really is, uh, doom scrolling. Like your social media is not going to be anything that is helpful or, um, probably what it's meant for, you know, mm -hmm it's not healthy uh and that is i just got rid of it uh and i haven't looked back i'm slowly getting back on all the other like i never deleted my twitter but i i've never really hardly used it and twitter i think is a is, it's a little different like you kind of control what you see by who you follow uh like if you want to know about what's going on in the olympics or the nfl you can only follow that and you know not follow uh, anybody uh, else that's, you know, a negative part of your life. Um, so we are at the hour mark. Mm -hmm. This was a informative and informative um, hour. Uh, part one, like I said, mm -hmm. uh, we, we have now tackled the diagnosis, what it takes to get the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of warning signs and um, 
what is PTSD? You know, that's what we have covered tonight. If you jumped in late, um, feel more than free to watch the replay. Um, we're going to, Gemma and I are going to try and figure something out where we can get all of our episodes on one page together. So we, mm -hmm. we don't constantly have to sift for them. Uh, even if you go to my channel where we broadcast from, uh, there's still a, a whole mess of other stuff on there that isn't mental health hour only. Yeah. Um, so I made a Facebook page, so I'm going to upload them all onto there. Um, okay. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe a Twitter one as well or something. But I'm I'm figuring something out. So they'll all be on Facebook, so you guys can watch the replays, and I can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. So just a quick recap before we head uh, head out for the night. Um, oh, thanks, Bo. Bo blocked me. Uh, that's probably because I ignore him all the time. Hey, you even blocked me last week. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know how that happened. Um, I, I sent I sent Gemma a picture of it, uh, and I was like, "Look at this! You're blocked." <laughs> I did not do this though. Um, so, real quick. Uh, we're going to go over what we discussed, a little recap. What is PTSD? PTSD is a psychiatric disorder occurring in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event. What's a traumatic event? Any event involving experience or witnessing actual or threatened death, serious injury, significant loss, sexual violence, domestic abuse, etc. So we're talking your serious car accidents. We're talking the physical and sexual assault, uh, natural disasters that can uproot you from your home. Um, and the, the quote of the evening for me was, uh, trauma is an event that exceeds your ability to handle or cope with the situation. Um, that was from wellviewcounseling.com. I'm definitely going to be posting on my page a, uh, a link to their uh, website for PTSD information because it was a very good one. Um, complex traumas are repeated traumas like domestic violence. Um, these, these cause um, that fight or flight, uh, the PTSD signs and symptoms cause that we didn't even mention that, uh, but fight or flight reaction is going to be an episode all on its own. Um, the, the, tr the PTSD triggers can uh, and usually do put the body in a fight or flight uh, state. Mm. Um, this is completely normal. Um, it's a it's a part of everybody's inner workings. You mentioned fight and fl fight or flight when you I was talking about. You did get it, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, that's a huge thing, though. So. And then finally, the signs and symptoms. Uh, we went over the four categories of PTSD symptoms, which were intrusion, uh, intrusive thoughts. Avoidance, which is avoiding reminders, triggers, um, not going to certain places, hmm. not not being around certain people because they're all negative uh, triggers or, or reminders. Uh, then you have the alterations in cognition and mood, which is your negative thoughts and also your uh, forgetfulness, your amnesia symptoms. Um, and then lastly, the last category was alterations in arousal and reactivity. This is the constant irritability. This is the um, always on edge and uh, disturbance to your sleep schedule. Um, and that was 
So, and remember, you needed one of each of the first two. Mm -hmm. So one symptom out of there and two symptoms out of the last two to for a solid month of daily interruption to your life to qualify for a diagnosis of PTSD. Whew. I think that handles it. I think that covers everything. It's quite difficult to get a diagnosis at times, like definitely over here. Like, I think I had to go three times to qualify eventually, and I'd been having symptoms for over three months before they diagnosed me here. But I guess it's different from place to place. Absolutely. Uh, and it all depends. Yeah, it depends on your doctor or your, your psychiatrist, because what he considers an intrusive thought might not be what you consider or vice versa. Yeah. Um, it's all in how it's looked at. Uh, definitely, it's all relative. Um, but that goes back to what I've mentioned before. You can always shop around with your doctors. You're the one paying money uh, for these doctors. Make them work for you. And by make them work for you, I mean work for you in the sense that it's a good working relationship between the two of you. Um, the same with the counselors. Uh, you need to be on on a certain level with your counselor. If, if you're going to a counselor for three weeks and you're not getting anything out of it, you're not with the right counselor. Um, 100%, I speak from experience. Uh, there was plenty of uh, counseling uh, before I went to rehab. I had some counseling sessions and there was just no connection uh, at all. And I guess it didn't help also that I probably didn't want to be there. But hmm. what you yeah, do from frame of mind, I guess. And what you do from what you do from here with this diagnosis. Now that we know about this, we'll we'll start. Um, We'll, we'll be talking about something else next week. Uh, but when we come, when we revisit PTSD, we'll probably start getting into how to handle this diagnosis and, and manage it. Um, Cause there's plenty that can be done. Maybe you get yourself a little bunny light. Grounding techniques. Um, all kinds of uh, healthy ways to manage a PTSD diagnosis that does not involve spending your life at a bar or um, isolating yourself away, detaching and not going out into the world. As somebody uh, somebody mentioned earlier, being agoraphobic, um, just not leaving your house. Uh, it's, that's a real life thing. And it's uh, unfortunately, it, it it's what happens when it's not managed properly mm -hmm. so that is all i have Gemma. did you have any closing statements comments concerns um not really one only little thing i have um i've actually made um i haven't uploaded them yet but i've made a few things to put on youtube to help with certain things because i i was given these tools and i've used them as well to help me so i've uploaded them or will be uploading them soon to youtube one of them is to help with getting out of the house and things like that so when i have done it i will post them but yeah it's certainly been um and a, a very interesting broadcast and ptsd definitely isn't one you can just do in an hour 
Right. This is, uh, this is, we're going to talk further about this mm. in the coming months. Um, hi, Blaine. Welcome in. We're just getting ready to jump off, but I encourage you to watch the replay. Um, good information tonight. Uh, and we are going to continue on PTSD sometime down the road. All right. That being said, Gemma, it mm -hmm. was, uh, it was a absolute pleasure again. And yeah. Yeah. We will be back uh, next week, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night at mm -hmm. 6 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Gemma time, 3 p.m. Bow time. Uh, everybody's on. Uh, oh, and I can't I can't leave out Blaine. Uh, that'll be 4 p.m. Mountain time. Right. Yeah. 4 p.m. Mountain time. I don't know. Time zones. So. <laughs> Everybody's on a different. I, I haven't dealt with time zones this much since I got on this platform. Mm. So, all right, Gemma, we will talk again next week. And yeah. thank you, everybody, for joining us. And thanks for the yeah. award. And we can't wait to see you again. Mm -hmm. Bye for now.